Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Active Explorer podcast. And I know it has been a really long time since I've been here to talk to all of you. I am Erica Wiggins, aka the Active Explorer, and this is episode, I believe, seven. And with me today, I have my partner, Steve Seliger. Hello, Steve. Hello, Erica. And first of all, I'm going to take just a couple of minutes for my regular listeners to let them know why it has been such a long time since I have recorded. And there's a lot of big news here. The first of it is I just finished a certificate in positive psychology at the University of Utah. And it was a very fascinating and rewarding program. And for those of you who don't know what positive psychology is, it is the study of enhancing life happiness, building excellence in our lives. It's basically that piece of psychology that isn't fixing what's broken, but it's about really building on making the good better. And that's a big part of what I'm about. You know, as you follow the Active Explorer, my life has been a series of stories that have incorporated the techniques and study of positive psychology. I just didn't know what the heck I was doing. And now, 10 months later, after spending quite a bit of time and money with the University of Utah, I, uh, I have a whole new set of skills and I'm super excited. However, while I was in school and working full time, it didn't leave me much time to podcast. The other news is that Steve will be joining the podcast regularly. He is my partner now. We recently combined households I have company on my hikes and my ski adventures, and I am really enjoying sharing this journey in life with him. So he'll be chiming in on our conversation today. What we're going to talk about today, getting down to the nitty gritty and what you came here for, is our half marathon tips. I just turned 46 this month, and I was still 45 when I ran the half marathon last month. It was on September 27th. I chose the North Face Half Marathon, which is one of the highest half marathons out there, and it's all on trail. And Steve trained for the event and ran it with me. So we both went through this journey together. It was our our first half marathon. And for me, the first time I've done a significant amount of running because uh, if you happen to follow the blog, you'll know that within about the last year and a half, I was diagnosed with exercise-induced asthma. I thought that I was just this wimp all this time, not able to run and that I wasn't trying hard enough and that I should push through the pain. But then I would find myself stopped because I couldn't get my breath. Finally said something to my doctor after all these years. He was like, oh, you have asthma. Here's an inhaler. So boy, that was eye-opening. I th- I was thinking I was kind of a, a little bit of a flub. Finding you, you out- You did run you through some tests first. Actually, the first doctor didn't. And uh, that, that was part of the journey. And I think I'll have to record an episode on um, my asthma and its diagnosis and getting at least initial realization by a general practitioner but then finally getting proper treatment by an allergist who did uh, a whole battery of breathing tests on me to find out exactly where I was at and fine tuning things. And that happened during the training for this half marathon because I realized I still wasn't performing at 100%. So training for a half marathon really isn't about training for this, uh, you know, three hour period or just over three hour period. It's really about developing and plan and following that plan and learning along the way over a period of months. It's truly a journey of months. It's not a journey of miles. Would you say that was true for your journey as well? Absolutely, and I'd say I got way more out of the training than I got out of the race. I mean, I enjoyed the race immensely, but the preparation and the sense of growth and accomplishment that I experienced 
in the months leading up to it was the real reward for me. And it really was for me too. And that does crop up here and shortly in my tips is about enjoying the journey. And I, I know that's just like this way overused term, but um, dang, it is so true that if you're just doing it to cross a finish line, uh, really don't bother. <laughs> if you're doing it for the love of running and the challenge of what this training program means, that's the reason to run a long endurance race like this. And this isn't certainly isn't the longest. The same uh, North Face series has 50 milers and 50 Ks. I'm like, you know, people who run ultras completely amaze me. So moving into onto my tips, um, and certainly when you run a long race, you discover a lot of things about your body. So these, these tips come from aches, pains, chafes, a little bit of bleeding, um, some wheezing, <laughs> and getting hungry. First of all, you need to follow a solid training plan. And if you just decide to wing it and say, I'll just do some running leading up, well, some people can off the couch it, but for the bulk of us to really give you a good chance for success, getting a solid training plan is important. Which training plan that you decide to follow depends on where you're starting from. If you've hardly run at all, the training plan you choose is going to be different than if you already have what they call a base of maybe 12 miles a week that you're already running. So what would you say our base was when we started out? We were running a little bit. Yeah, I would say we were running between one and three miles. Yeah. About what we could comfortably do when we first started. Yeah, and a week, I mean, t cumulatively through the week. Oh, through the week, we were probably running between one and three miles, maybe twice a week. Okay, maybe. so anywhere from, you know, two to six miles a week, which is not really very close to that 12-mile base that a lot of training programs are looking for. And the program that we chose was um, done by the No Meat Athlete. Yes, you heard me correct, No Meat, as in not eating animals. Um, but his program, while I'm not a uh, you know strictly plant-based eater, I, uh, I do choose to eat plant-based most of the time. And I had come across his program and really had a lot of confidence in his training regimen. So went ahead and ran with that one, no pun intended. But it requires a base of about 12 miles a week, or he suggests adding a few weeks to your training. Well, didn't do that. Um, <laughs> we just jumped right in. And I think we did okay. You mm -hmm. know, we were somewhere between zero and 12, but. I think when we started out, our first runs, even on the training program, were a mile to two miles. Yeah, and that's what I liked about his program is it was really designed to prevent injury. So it started out on the low end of the weekly miles and built up regularly. And I, for me, that was very important that at middle age that I could get through this training program without an injury. So things that you want to look for in your training program is one that starts that roughly matches your ability or your base. And next you want to look for a training program that includes a mix. It's not just running, but it also has running hills, running intervals. It includes at least a couple of rest days and it includes cross training. And cross training, you may ask what that is. That could be swimming, elliptical, weight training, anything other than running. And for us, we pretty much opted for weight training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've been doing CrossFit for years now, and we found that that was a really good balance. And did I you mention, did you mention the long runs too? I did not mention long runs, and that, of course, is a very important part of the uh, of a training program for a long race. Is that 
usually on the weekends, you have one significantly longer run. And this program that we started with started at a four mile run, which at the time, oh my gosh, it seemed like it was a mountain, the idea of running four miles. And uh, at the time when I faced that four mile run in the first week, I thought, what have I done? What have I signed up for? Oh my mm -hmm. gosh, <laughs> I'm gonna be toast. And I think you mentioned that within a year of doing this marathon, maybe even six months, I six forget, months. that you you couldn't run one mile without stopping to, to catch your breath and, and wheezing. Yes, so I seriously was on a, a curve that most people wouldn't face. And um, so I guess we could say if I could make it most anybody has a chance to run a half marathon short of ha dealing with a significant injury. Um, so look for that mix. Starts at your ability or add some weeks on to build up. Includes hills, intervals, rest days, cross training, and long runs. I, if I could add one thing, um, this is the first big race that I've ever trained for. And I think I had a, a misconception when I first started training that it was gonna be running ever longer distances until I got to the place where I could run 13 miles comfortably. And that was very intimidating for me. Something I found really comforting and even enjoyable as somebody who doesn't particularly, didn't start off liking to run, uh, was that the trainings were a, a, a mix of short runs, medium runs, long runs. Sometimes on the hill days, it would just be a few minutes of running, but just very intense minutes. And then that was it for the day. Um, so it really broke it up. Uh, it didn't become monotonous. It didn't feel like I, it felt like I had enough time to recover between training sessions. It was a, a really enjoyable experience. That's how it was for me too. And that helped a lot with uh, reducing my intimidation moving through the, pro the uh, training program. So next, after um, following a solid training plan, run with partners, but don't try to stay together on long runs. And fortunately, Steve was willing to undertake this with me. And I had this vision that we would be trotting down the trails side by side. And then we learned, um, I guess it's common knowledge, but it wasn't common knowledge for us. We thought we were like, you know, really bright for realizing that, you know, unless you just happen to be perfectly matched, Mm -hmm. You can't stay together because, you know, we're nobody's as slow as both of us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that was how we put it. You know, e either one of us isn't as slow as both of us can be, because if you're holding back when your partner's feeling a little slow and then you guys run together and then you feel a little slow and they hold back for you. Now you have basically adopted the slowest pace that both of you could create. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't work. <laughs> it also doesn't work because... At the time when, if you're running, there'll be times when you really feel like pushing yourself and really feel like seeing how far or how fast you can go. But if you're not doing that just to stay with your partner, then you're not developing your own sense of what you can do and you're not, you're not developing. Exactly, so it's really important to, um, occasionally we'll run together on a really short run and stay together and uh, once I actually got some conditioning, we might actually be able to exchange a word or two while we were running. But for the uh, most part on longer runs, uh, we expected that we would see each other uh, at the next rise or at a pause point or at the end. Or back at the car. Back at the car, yes, just depending on where we were in it. Um, I did mention cross training and 
uh, I believe it was on um, No Meat Athlete that he commented, runners who don't cross train set themselves up for injury. So cross training isn't just about breaking up the monotony. Cross training is about injury prevention. And since I first heard it, I have heard it over and over again from various experts that if you're going to do endurance running, you need to be lifting weights. You have to be in the gym and you should be doing other types of exercise to balance out your body. But in addition, the muscles that it takes, especially on trail running, when you catch a step wrong or something like that, if you haven't been strengthening your muscles beyond just normal everyday running, when you hit that odd move, Mm-hmm. That move that isn't typical to your running, if you haven't strengthened your body in those other ways, you're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. So we stayed active with our cross training, although our CrossFit um, regimen stepped back a little bit on the advice of my doctor. Um, I didn't squat quite as deep. He gave me some tips for protecting my knees because mm-hmm. I was running trails. But in general, um, we still were in the gym a couple of days a week. Yeah, generally weights. speaking, I think we were running every other day and doing CrossFit every other day. Yep, that sounds about like it. Foam roll. I have discovered foam rolls, and especially as you approach middle age, but any age, foam rolling is inexpensive, it's easy, there's lots of videos online to learn how to do it, and it increases the blood flow, speeds recovery, helps prevent injury, and quite frankly, it feels good. And well, when it stops hurting, it feels good. Okay, yes, that's true. Because sometimes if the muscles are, are strained or tight, the, the act of foam rolling is a, a little bit masochistic. Um, <laughs> so, but it's uh, certainly cheaper than physical therapy mm-hmm. and cheaper than massage. And more I think more, you can get a foam roller for about 11 or $12. Well, I think we just paid 16 because okay. you know, most gyms have them, but we decided we really needed to have one at home for the end of our run days. Why we waited till after the half marathon to do that, I don't know. Um, we actually have multiple devices. It's kind of humorous. We have the big normal foam roller. We have a stick foam roller. I have a hard rubber ball that's done by Tiger Tail that has a string running through it. And then we have a smaller little ball that goes under our feet for the plantar fasciitis. Welcome to aging and sports. <laughs> you know, I know a lot of young people have plantar fasciitis too. And if you're going to be an athlete, and you're going to be pushing your body, and you don't want to get injured. I think it's like um, massage or rolling, as well as stretching, just needs to be part of everyone's regimen. Exactly. It really doesn't matter what age you're at when you're crushing it. So don't skip the long runs. Now the long runs, when you train for a half marathon, one of the first things that you'll realize is, wow, where do I find the time for these long runs? Not such a big deal for that first four mile run. That was just intimidating. But when the runs start to get to be like eight, nine, 10 miles, that's a significant time investment. And you have to carve that out of your routine. You really need to get those runs in though. Mm -hmm. They are critical because there are parts of your psyche and your body that you won't touch until you get to the longer runs. And the reason I said psyche first, so much of this is mental and you don't realize how much you have to pull until you um, put yourself on a long run. And I think that the push is harder at the beginning of the long run because you know it's all ahead of you. And it takes some gumption, it takes some perseverance to push yourself through mile two, mile three, knowing there's still another five, six, seven miles ahead of you. Mm-hmm. By the time you get to you know mile five or six and you've got a couple ahead of you, 
you're like, wow, I got this far. I got this in the bag. And then, of course, no matter how long your run is, the last half a mile feels so difficult. And I don't care if it's a two-mile run or a 10-mile run. The last half mile always feels tougher. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's one of those weird phenomenons of running. So and as much as you don't skip the long runs, don't skip the rest days. And I really do mean rest. Stretch, foam roll, rest. Take your rest days. These are critical. This is when your body repairs and builds itself. So if you don't give your muscles a chance to repair and build and you just keep pounding them, you're at you're going to stop your progress and find yourself at a plateau. Try even harder in that plateau and you're just going to decline and you're going to have a problem with your training fatigue. So you must stop and take the rest days at least one if not two a week where you do nothing. I like I like the term an active rest day because if my in my experience if you take a rest day and all you do is lay on the couch um, I think whatever muscles you've you've worked and whatever tendons and ligaments you've stretched are going to tighten up yeah and the next day you're going to feel way worse but I think like you said you already mentioned that on your rest days how important stretching and rolling are but I think walking or taking a light swim or just doing anything that is keeping your body active but not pushing it but keeping you flexible and keeping you moving um, I think active active rest days are, are really the way to go. Yes, and we did do that. Now, I'm glad that you brought that up because that kept us from getting too tight. Um, next, listen to your body. And this is a complicated one to explain. You'll, uh, if you decide to run a longer race, you're going to discover what this means uh, for yourself. And you'll remember my words and go, oh, yeah, that's what she was talking about. But um, sometimes there's the general discomfort of running. Your muscles are tired, your breathing is labored because you're just working hard and it's uncomfortable. But then there's another kind of uncomfortable where it's injury and it, um, it either feels different in your muscles where it's a sharp acute pain, something you've not felt before, it's one-sided versus the other. Additionally, it could be something in your lungs where the breathing feels different and as an asthmatic, I experience this more than the average person because when I'm just panting because I'm working hard, it's very, very different than when my lungs are tightening up. And I will stop for one and I'll keep going for the other. And if you pay close attention to the subtle differences in the signals your body is giving you, you'll realize that there are different labels on these feelings that you have while you're running. And some mean stop and some mean Come on, I know it doesn't feel good. Keep going. Mm-hmm. What did you run across in Lowe's? I know you had at least one particularly devastating day on the mm-hmm. trail, and I know I had one too. But <laughs> Well, speaking to, to what I'm hearing you say, um, I think there are three obstacles I meet on the trail that it's a good idea for me to push through them. One is when my legs are tired and... I've pushed my legs to a point where they haven't gone this far or they haven't this, gone this hard. Um, and just because my legs are fatigued or hurting doesn't give me permission to stop. And it's time for me to push my legs further. There are other times that my legs feel fine. My legs are fresh and I'm ready to go, but my lungs are what are ho- holding me back. And aerobically, I'm gasping for breath, but my body, the rest of my body is still ready to go. 
And at those times, sometimes it's really helpful for me to push my lungs and say, I can go just a little further. I can go just a little further. Um, other times, it's not my legs or my lungs, but my brain. I'm just not in a good space and I'm feeling intimidated. Or um, for some reason, there's something about this run or the space that I am in at the time of the run where my mind just wants to quit. I'm just not in the mood or I don't want to do it. And just pushing myself through that way. So those are three things that I encounter, my legs, my lungs, and my brain telling me to stop when, I've, when I'm uncomfortable, but there's nothing wrong, there's nothing injured, but it's when, where there is a time to stop, or walk, or rest, or pay attention to it, is for me at least when I experience a sharp pain that feels like maybe something tearing, or something, um, like I experience it as joint pain, like my hips start to hurt really bad. And if it, if it gets really sharp, I stop and I walk and I stretch, and I found that the stretching really helps, maybe a day or two of rest helps too. Excellent. And for me, I also found some of those fatigue points were predictable. The first mile and a half for me, um, a lot of the, all three of those come up rather predictably. And once I started running regularly, I realized that I had spent my entire life in that first mile and a half. I didn't, hadn't run farther than that. So finally, as I started to take on distance running and, uh, or any running of any distance at all, I finally got to get out of that really difficult initial phase where my legs felt like they were trying to push through you know, concrete mm-hmm. and discover that energy on the other side of it. And now I just know that first mile and a half, it's gonna be hard on my head, lungs and brain. But if my lungs feel tight in the sense of asthmatic tight, no amount of I'm gonna try and go to the next thing helps, I have to stop and recover. Mm-hmm. So. Another part of listen to your body, if anything hurts, like we're talking about sharp pains, et cetera, if something feels off, or let's say your breathing feels unusual, like not, you know, more than just cardio exertion, something doesn't feel right, go and see a doctor early. Um, I went to an orthopedic uh, the first week of training and got cleared because of um, some odd pain I had in a shin. Additionally, I went to, um, during the course of our training, as I realized that I was coming up against that asthmatic type breathing, Um, Pretty regularly, I finally went to see a specialist and got a battery of tests done, and he refined my meds and actually corrected some mistakes my prior doctor had made with my medications, and what a huge difference that made. So don't try to just push through if something feels like it's more of a, a problem item. Get treatment early so that you can stay on track with your training and work to the best ability of your body instead of coming up against this wall of an injury or a breathing problem or something like that. Um, Cause that's gonna hold back your training. Gear up, tech up. And I'm gonna move through this one pretty quick, but I will say the longer the run, the more the uh, gear and tech stuff really counts. Like there's a lot of stuff, you know, it's like the people with the um, Hummers in the middle of the city that never once get them dirty. I mean, you've seen that, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, those people, it's like, why do you own that vehicle? Well, there's a lot of great tech out there on the market, both tech, uh, clothing, tech, apps, gear, everything else that you're like, wow, you know, people just buy it because it's cool. Mm -hmm. But when you start to get into longer running and good news for the Shopifiles out there, um, this is when you really want that stuff. This is when you put it to use and make it work Mm -hmm. for you. So get good good, um, clothes, especially. Um, ladies, if the uh, if the girls are uh, substantial and bouncy, you need to get them in a proper bra because after 13 miles, you're going to know they're there. 
and uh, and stuff starts to chafe too so make sure that you get some there's stuff out there for chafing folks guys if the shorts that feel just a little bit chafy at mile one might have you trying to strip down and and run this full monty at the end so get good good gear good clothes stuff that fits you right and don't buy new stuff for the you know toward the end of the race do this early in your training so that you can swap out pieces and find your favorites mm-hmm. Bef- some things some things that really made a big difference for me um, getting a good pair of shoes I thought oh I had my a good, gosh yeah <laughs> I thought I had a good pair of shoes and then uh, fortunately for me they kind of blew out and, and fell apart and I needed to get a new pair in the early part of the training what a difference that made getting a good orthotic a good running orthotic really helps uh, it takes the place of the insole that goes in normally comes with your shoe so you take the one that came with your shoe out and you put the orthotic in and, ha- and going to a good running store that can measure you and fit you for a good orthotic or even going to a podiatrist for that for a running orthotic makes a huge difference um, having a good running app on your phone for me it may drive some of you out there nuts but for me it is so nice that there's somebody on my phone talking to me telling me you're at mile this and some of them even encourage you some they keep track of how fast your last mile was they give you all the data on how high you are altitude wise you know how much further you have to go it's just they'll show you on a map exactly where you are Um, it's a fantastic way to keep my mind occupied and to feel like I'm not running alone and for me I found that indispensable too because I it needed to have the voice function and I think what I, I just decided, I think we need to do another episode that's just on the gear, but I would say that running apps, you can get great running apps for free, spend your money on shoes and clothes and on um, nutrition, which I'll get to here shortly. Um, actually, I'll get to it next. Nourish yourself. Um, it may seem like feeding yourself is something you've been doing your whole life. You must be able to do it for a run, but guess what? Your body uh, does some interesting stuff when it's pushed Um, in the endurance realm. It's different than just running a mile or two. When you really start to push yourself for a long period of time, your digestion pretty much shuts down. And, but meanwhile, you still need calories. You're pounding through the calories. You've got to get calories in your body. That means that they need to be as simple as possible. And you need electrolytes desperately. You can't just hydrate with water. It's uh, very important that you replace the electrolytes in your system or else uh, on these longer runs, you can expend enough where you develop medical issues. So mm-hmm. I'd say the two things that I hear that I've learned in this are um, electrolytes and sugars. And especially with the sugars, it kind of I'm a real healthy eater. I know you are, too. Um, it kind of goes exactly the opposite of the way we would normally eat. All, on a long run, all the foods that we would normally eat, complex whole foods, are the foods that would just shut our system down instantly on a long run and wind up giving us cramps. On the other hand, all the foods that we wouldn't eat when we're normally... Simple do, simple carb stuff, you know, yeah, sugar. sugar, basically <laughs> sugar. Yeah. Um, is what you absolutely want because it's easily digestible and it's actually even starts to be digested in your mouth uh, or metabolized in your mouth. So... It gets it in your blood and you get going. And the other thing, like you said, are your electrolytes that um, you can drink all the water you want, but you'll you'll hit the ground hard if you don't keep your salts um, up. Exactly. And you're going to have to experiment with what works for you. Uh, I found that my stomach was really very sensitive and not, not as much my stomach, but actually it was my, I would get these runner stitches, which apparently are related to consumption 
of sugars. So it's like, here I am, I need sugars, but if I have them too much at once, I cramp. Um, it, it was a real balancing act for me. So, or the wrong kind. I noticed that with you, some there was one or two brands that really worked great for you and some others that didn't. Yes, so that's why these long runs are not just the training ground for you to build up your muscles and to build up your mind for the endurance part of this race, but you also need those runs to experiment with your tech, your clothing, and your nourishment. So starting right away, use those as your experimenting ground. Try different products. I think we ended up at, um, at the Goo products. I also have recipes for making our own, which I'm going to try the next round, but I didn't come across those till the end of our training and we'll be coming up on this soon, but never change anything right before the race. Mm -hmm. So even though I found homemade recipes that might've been easier on my stomach, I decided to stick with what I found at least worked. Mm -hmm. Also put um, electrolyte mixes with some carbs, some sugar, into my my uh, water bladder thinned out, but um, rather than trying to have a separate intake of that, I just nursed on it throughout my run, and that way it hit my stomach at a more even pace, and I didn't get any cramps on the actual um, half marathon. Mm -hmm. I worked through that problem during training, mm -hmm. and you discovered you actually Quite the needed opposite. some. <laughs> I wanted, I preferred to have my water just be water. And to get my electrolytes and my sugars, you know, separately in a little squeeze tube in my hand. So, and I tried both and that's what worked better for me. And you also found on some long runs, you have to go for something solid, which you're going to experiment and find what works for you, but you would gra end up grabbing a cliff bar. Mm -hmm. Somewhere around mile eight or so, mm -hmm. you had to have something of, of real substance. The sugars didn't do it anymore. And, it and your body and it tolerated it. Yeah, your, your body tolerated that. So experiment. Um, there are no hard and fast rules, but you will find in general, it needs to be easy to digest. So mix up your surfaces real briefly. Um, if you're a road runner, get on a trail. If you're a trail runner, get on a road. But in particular, if you're a road runner and pavement runner, get on soft surfaces. Um, that is even more important than trail runners taking it because that trails are inherently varied. But if you're running on a very consistent surface, you need to switch that up. That gives your body a chance to, especially your legs and lower legs, a chance to build muscles in different ways. It also changes where the pounding is happening on your foot and leg and alleviates that fatigue of repetitively running so many miles per week. So switch up your surfaces. This is very important for injury prevention and it also builds some strength and also alternate shoes. If you can afford to get yourself two pair of shoes. If you run trail and um, road. road, get yourself trail shoes and road shoes. Enjoy the journey. I think I already said that you know you need to enjoy this for the race and um, but also the training really that's the part that counts because you could get sick on race day and not even get to run the race. If you didn't enjoy the months leading up to it, well then it's going to feel devastating. You really need to be in this for the joy of pushing your body, of building your strength. Even if you don't end up running on race day, it's a long life. You can sign up for another race. You can't take away all of the gains that you made in your training. Mm -hmm. So that's huge. Don't change anything on race day. I already said that. Um, you'll be tempted by all kinds of samples and treats at aid stations and even beforehand they give you goodie bags. This is not the time to do that. Stick with what you know works. 
And with that, we are out of time for today, but you can find me on, uh, of course, on Facebook and at the blog, theactiveexplorer.com, and on Instagram and Twitter as at active underscore explorer. And please send me a message. Let me know what you thought about today's podcast. I would love it if you enjoyed this, if you'd give me a rating on iTunes or whatever your listening device is. Those mean a lot to me and help other people find the show. So with that, I'll talk to you next week.